Thank you for visiting Crossland Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Well, good morning to you. I want to remind you that, <clears throat> indeed, Ignite is Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We have had trouble getting those in because of the snow, but um, I'm confident that we're going to be able to do Ignite this week. Um, one of the thing, a couple of things I'll say just to kind of go along with that. Um, so because we had to cancel the last month, um, whenever we need to cancel a service, which hopefully we won't have to do that for a while now, hopefully we never have to do that, but sometimes we do, and the problem becomes, how do we get word to you? How can we make sure that you know that? Well, there's a couple of things that we can do. We can put it on our website that services have been canceled. Um, that's... I'm not sure how easy or hard that is because I'm not the one that does that. But I do know that um, you can also, we can send an, an, an email update to you. And many of you are signed up for my, uh, I send an update every Tuesday. kind of tells you a little bit about the week that we just experienced and gives you some prayer needs and some upcoming events that you can look forward to. And if you don't get that, um, I would really like for you to get that. Go to our website. It's in the bulletin that you have, www.clcchurch.com. And you can, there's a text link on the side. You can sign up for Brett's update. It's real simple. You just, you have to do that. I can't do that for you. We can't, you know, decide we're just going to do that for everybody. It's got to be something you sign up for. But you can get the update that way. Another thing that we've got going now is we can uh, text you in the event of an emergency. Now, we're not going to do this a lot. In fact, we've signed people up, and we have not made use of this service yet. But we can do a mass texting now. And you have to sign up for that as well. You go to the same website, and, and uh, along the right side there is a place where you can go in and uh, give us your, your information, and then you get added to that list. Those would be a couple of the different ways that we would use to let you know of some emergency. If someone got really sick or we had some kind of tragedy, uh, something going on, or we wanted you to pray for somebody that was, you know, was really a big thing, um, those are some of the ways that we would use to kind of let you know that. And um, all that stuff can be found at our website. I don't know if you know this or not, but all the sermons are posted on the web every week, usually by Monday afternoon. Those are up and running. And um, they go all the way back to, I think, they go all the way back to 03. Every, just about every sermon that we've done here is online for you to listen to. So uh, www.clcchurch.com. I would encourage you to go there and look around a little bit. You'll learn a lot about us. But please come to Ignite, 7 o'clock Tuesday night. I think you will enjoy it. Kyle... And the team worked very hard to get that ready, and it's always good, always good. So I um, hope to see you here Tuesday night at 7 o'clock for Ignite. I want to ask you a question this morning as we continue this series that we're in called Heartbeat. We're really talking about the core values of the Crosslane Community Church. What things are important to us as a congregation and as a church? And as we move through life and as we do this together, what kind of things are we really going to hinge everything on and so we've been in that for a couple weeks we'll be in that for a couple more I want to start today by asking you the question why do people drive by cross lane today on their way to whatever it is that they're going to do why haven't they joined us why haven't they come in here to to be a part of what we're going to do today why haven't they come in to sing with you and why haven't they come in to listen to a message and to um um take communion what why what what would be the reason that that they would just keep on driving by why isn't church a, a priority for the people who've driven up and down lafayette today and haven't stopped and the answer to that is really quite simple the answer is it's not relevant to them 
It's not relevant for them. They, they, don't, they, they don't see a, a need for it. It's not that they're against church or for church. In fact, they, they probably haven't even spent a whole lot of time this morning thinking about whether or not they ought to go to church or whether they want to go to church. It's just not something that's on their mind. Jesus was irresistible. Now, people may have agreed with Jesus or not agreed with Jesus. Some people loved Jesus. Some people hated him. But it didn't really matter what people thought about Jesus. He was magnetic. He was irresistible. Even people who disagreed with him would show up to listen to what Jesus had to say. And people who didn't agree with Jesus were constantly showing up whenever he was teaching or whenever he was around a big group of people. But Jesus just had this way of drawing a crowd. And people, even people who didn't agree with him, had lots of questions for Jesus. People wanted to know what was going on in his mind. And so when we come together, we should not only reflect the mission that Jesus was on, but we should reflect his personality. This, you know, there should be something about us that is irresistible, that is magnetic. People you know, should, should be drawn to us. That would be our hope. That's our mission. That's what we want to happen. We want this to be a place where people can come and sit and listen and say, you know what, I don't even know that I agree with everything that the preacher's saying. I don't even know that I agree with what, what I sang this morning. I'm not sure I agree with all that, but I know that this is a place that I want to be. I'm not even sure that I believe all that stuff, but I know this is a place that I want my kids to be. I mean, someone might even say, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for the idea of being called a Christian, uh, you know, that that kind of scares me a little bit. Somebody might in the room this morning might say, you know, I'm not ready to go down that road just yet because that's kind of worrisome to me. But next Sunday, I can tell you this, we're going to be at church. I mean, what is it? that causes people to want to be here it was jesus intent when he left this earth and he said i'm going to go build my church and nothing is going to stand in the way of it and the church is going to be my body and so that's our mission that's what we want to happen we want people to feel connected to christ when they come into this place Uh, like i said for the next several weeks we're going to be talking about this idea of heartbeat what is the heartbeat of the cross lane community church we've covered a couple of those already in um in the the weeks past today's core value is one of the most basic ones that we can offer and i'm just going to warn you ahead of time this is one that you would expect okay that you would hear this one you'd say well i figured that they were going to do that one um biblical authority now don't listen to that and say oh i don't want it that's going to be boring you know turn i'm going to turn him off now because that there's nothing can be uh, exciting and really cool about biblical authority i would just ask you to stay with me through the whole message because i think at the end this is going to make uh, pretty good sense for you um, biblical authority is where we're going today we believe that the bible is the ultimate authority for the way we should live our life as an organization as an individual we believe that this book offers the authority that we need and that we need to come under the authority of this book Um, that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that has been given to us by God. Uh, It's been given uh, for a lot of reasons. It's been given to to basically uh, give us his precepts and his laws. It's kind of an instruction manual as to how you you do life. I mean, all aspects of life, work, um, play, relationships, sexuality, financial stuff, um, you know, how we deal with our kids, how we deal with one another, how we work. This book has something to say specifically to all of those different categories of life and all those different um, environments in our life. And it's, it's amazing sometimes that, that something as old as this book is, and as long as it's been around, the truths in this book are timeless. And so every facet of life, uh, this is as good as life gets when you are surrendered to what goes on inside this book. But there's a problem 
And the problem is this. If you're like me, and I have a feeling that I'm like you in this regard, I don't want anybody telling me how to live my life. You know, now, we're not supposed to say that in church, are we? We're supposed to come and sit in nice, neat rows, and everybody look straight ahead and act like they got their best game on, right? And, and you know, I, you, you may not feel it, but you've got the face on that says, I want to be here. I'm happy. I'm, I'm really excited about being here today. But if we're honest, at our core and in our hearts, sometimes there's a part of us, sometimes a big part of us, and not just some of the time, a lot of the time, that's saying, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. I don't like the idea that somebody else would have authority over me. In fact, some of you are here, and you're not even a Christian today, and what you're thinking is, this is exactly why I don't want to go to church. Because if I go to church, they're going to start telling me how to live life, and I don't want somebody telling me how to live life. In fact, isn't it true that the reason we couldn't wait to go off to college and the reason we couldn't wait to get out of mom and dad's house and get into our own apartment or someplace out from under their roof, I mean, how many times did you hear the expression, as long as you live under my roof? What's really scary is now that I'm a father, I have said those words, as long as you're under my roof, and I go, (gasps) (laughs) sounds so much like my dad sometimes it is very very frightening and it's got to be just totally scary for my wife whenever she hears that but that's why we went to college that's why we wanted to get out of the house was because we didn't want mom and dad telling us what to do then we get out from under the roof of mom and dad we go get the job we're making a living and what do we find out we find out that we're under more authority now than we were when we were in mom and dad's house right because you got six seven eight twelve 100 if you're a pastor you got 300 people telling you what to do right i mean you're under authority i mean you 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 look around you think man it was it was so much easier when i was under just the authority of mom and dad that was easy now i I got all kinds of people that want a piece of me I, i mean i got federal agencies that want my money right i got people that are telling me that based on where i live the property i own and where i live that at the end of the year i owe a certain amount of money you say, well, I, I bought that land. That's my land. No, not really. I mean, they, you know, that's what they want you to believe. But, but there are government agencies that have some say over what goes on in your world. You are under authority. And you may think to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm out on my own, and I, can, I, don't, I, don't, have, I don't answer to anybody. Well, I, if it's anything I've been trying to get across to my kids is, hey, listen, you're under my authority you're under mom's authority and as you get bigger and as you get older you think that you're going to get to a place where you don't have authority over you you're always going to have somebody who's in authority over you that's just the way it is i have more authority over me now than i ever did as a child and yet there's something in me that resists that authority and if i'm really honest i'm generally looking for a way around it aren't you i mean if you're really honest I mean, we don't talk that way in church because we're supposed to come and submit and supposed to be nice. But if we're really going to tell the truth, what we would say is, yeah, if I'm really honest, I don't like people telling me what to do. In fact, I bet you're a little bit like me. I bet that you would like to have total autonomy, that you'd like to be able to come and go as you please, that you'd like to be able to do what you want, when you want, where you want, with whom you want, and have no repercussions and no consequences for that, right? I mean, that's what we want. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We're all on a freedom quest, aren't we? And what we, what, what, and we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. So there's this flip side to that, though, and the flip side is 
I want everybody else to be under authority, right? I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, but I don't want you to be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And I want my kids to have authority, and I, I definitely don't want them doing what they want when they want to do it, with whom they want to do it. See, I think authority is a great thing for everybody else but me. I mean, if we're really honest, that's the way we think. And we think, well, the reason we think that is because, well, no one else is as responsible as I am. You know, so everybody else has to have fences and rules and laws because they're not as responsible as me, and so we just got to set it up that way and make it work that way. But if I'm totally honest, I don't want any authority over me, and I want everybody else to be under authority. No wonder we resist Christianity. You know, it's bad enough that people tell me how to behave. If I become a Christian, you know, there's going to be somebody telling me what to think. That's what we think. It's what non-believers think. Man, I, I don't want to go to church because, A, I don't want them to tell me how to behave. And it's not, it doesn't just stop there. See, when I go to church, then the preacher gets up on the stage and, and he starts telling me that Jesus wants to tell me how to think and what to believe. And I don't want anybody to tell me that kind of stuff. And we say, they're not going to tell me how to behave. And they're not going to tell me what to think. And I'm not going to answer to anybody. And I'm going to be my own person. And I'm not going to be under anybody's authority. Because we don't want them to just, uh, you know, it's not enough. We think it's not enough that they would just mess with my public life. They want to get into the private stuff too. They want to get into that place that, that no one else ever talks about. Jesus wants to weasel in there and he wants to start moving stuff around. And it's going to get really uncomfortable. In fact, becoming a Christian is an awful lot like moving in with mom and dad, isn't it? It's, it's like having grown up, left the house, and then you, just, you, you figure out, I need to move back in. And so you move back in. That's kind of like what becoming a Christian can be like because you move in, it's like, man, this is a little too close. There, there's a little too much accountability going on here. I mean, it's, just, it's a little close for my liking. And so when I refer to this book as an authority, when I, when I talk about the Bible as an authority, you say, no, Brett, it, it's, it's a special book. It's an important book. I mean, it's got some things to say. It's got some really cool stories in it. There's some interesting quotes. And there might even be a little bit of wisdom in there. I mean, there are probably a couple of things that I could learn from that book. But an authority over my life? I don't think so. I already have too many people telling me what to do. And the last thing I need uh, and the last thing I'm going to do is submit myself to a book that tells me what I'm supposed to do. Surrender my life, my marriage, my relationships, my, you know, everything about me to a book that was written by over 40 people hundreds and hundreds of years ago that knows nothing about my culture, knows nothing about my background, knows nothing about my future. This book does not know me. And so you'd say, Brad, I'm not going to submit to a book you know, when, when it, it can't know my goals and aspirations, it can't know what's most important to me. How can this book really know what's best for me if the book doesn't know me? That's the argument that people would give when I stand up and say, biblical authority. We believe in biblical authority. That, that's the pushback. And it's completely understandable until we run into Jesus. And then it all changes. Because when you read the life of Jesus, whether you believe it or not, here's what you discover. His life is an illustration of a principle that when I tell you the principle, it's going to sound non-intuitive. It's, it's not something that, is, you know, that you would sit around and think about and think, oh yeah, that makes sense. I mean, in fact, when I give you this principle, you're going to say, well, that just doesn't even sound right. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus' life was a perfect illustration 
of the principle. In fact, you could live your whole life and, and run into the consequences of not abiding by this principle and never really discover the principle. And, and the principle is this, maximum freedom, which is really what we want, we want maximum freedom, is found under God's authority. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority, not outside of it. And Jesus illustrates that maximum freedom is found under the authority of God's word. Jesus was the freest person that's ever walked the face of the planet. And, and you want to know how free Jesus was? There are two things about Jesus that he could do that we cannot do. Two things. First of all, he could decide when and where he would lay his life down. You know, he said, nobody takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. The second thing that, that Jesus could do is he could decide to take his life back up again. Now, would it not be cool? And would you not want to have the ability and the power to decide when you put your life down and where you're going to lay it down? And if whenever you wanted to, to raise it back up, you just hit the magic button and up you come. Well, that would be pretty cool. I'd like to choose when and how I die, and I'd like to be able to choose to, to come back to life when I want to. Jesus had that kind of freedom. You remember the scene when Jesus is in front of Pilate? Pilate is all jacked up on his power. I mean, he is fired up about how much juice he's got, and he's talking to Jesus, and what he says is, you don't know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, you don't know who you're dealing with. You don't understand that I have the power to crucify you. You better, I mean, really what Pilate was saying was, you better do what I want you to do, and you better be nice to me, because you don't understand the kind of things I can have done to you. You don't understand what authority I have. And Jesus' response, and again I paraphrase, you have no authority over me. The only authority you've got has been given to you. You're a prisoner, and I am free. So don't go threaten me with your authority because you aren't an authority over me. Any authority you've got, Pilate, was given to you by somebody else. Jesus was the freest person that ever walked the earth, and Jesus found his freedom in the same place that you and I will find it ultimately, and that's under the authority of God, under the authority of his word. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority, and that is where Jesus lived, and that is why he was so free. Look at what he said, John chapter 5, verse 30. And this is an interesting statement, by the way. By myself, I can do nothing. You think about who said that. Think about who said that. That's an interesting statement to come from the lips of Jesus. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. By myself, I can do nothing. But you're Jesus. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do. No. I don't, I don't care to do anything on my own, Jesus would say. What Jesus would say is, if I, I only am going to do what I hear the Father say to do. I'm only going to do what, what the Father wants me to do. I'm under his authority, is what Jesus would say. I don't seek to please myself, we would hear Jesus say. I seek to please my heavenly Father. And because of that, Jesus was the freest man that ever lived. Now see, you, you, you contrast that with us, and we don't live like that. We, we live a completely different way. We live in such a way to say, I'm going to live to please me. And when we live to please me, what happens is we put ourselves in bondage. See, <laughs> my goals 
and I don't think it's just me. It's probably you too. But I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take the hit for all of us, and I'll say, my goal is to please myself. That's what my goal is. You know, I mean, I wake up most days, and the first thought I have is, okay, God, how can I please you today? Now, I say that to my shame. I wish that I woke up every day and thought, man, God, I really want to please you with everything I do today. But you know what my first thought is most days? And you know what my default baseline is when I really get pinned up against the wall? How do I please me, right? Because if it's going to cost me something, or if it's going to hurt me, or I'm going to feel discomfort and, and not going to feel pleasure, then I don't want to go. I mean, aren't we all in the same boat? Don't we all say, well, you know, I, I'm, I mean, if I told you that following Jesus was going to be painful, you might think to yourself, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Because we're really out to please us first. I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, with no repercussions. I mean, that's really, if we're honest, that's where we are, most of us. And God says, that's fine. But there's not freedom there. I mean, you can live that way if you want to. But, but ultimately, you're going to look up, and you're, you're going to be in such bondage, and the chains are going to be so tight around you, and you will cry out. And Jesus says, I know maximum freedom is found when I strive to please him who sent me and nobody else. He was a man who lived under authority. Not only did he live under the authority of God, but he lived under the authority of Scripture. Jesus was constantly leveraging the, the teachings of the Old Testament in his teachings, constantly referring back to Moses, constantly talking about Abraham. And the leaders and Pharisees would come along and say, no, you, you've broken the law. You've disrespected Moses. You've broken all kinds of, of laws. And Jesus said, I, didn't, I haven't broken any laws. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus says, look, you, you need to understand, I'm not against God's word. I, I'm, on the contrary, I've come to fulfill God's prophecies. I haven't come to, to break them. I so honor scriptures. I honor what Abraham did. I honor what Moses taught. I honor what the prophets prophesied. I'm living under the authority of what they taught, Jesus would say. He was a man who was not only free, but he was a man who lived under the authority of the Father, and he lived under the authority of Scripture, which means this, and this is a challenge for us. If you're ever going to decide to follow Jesus, you must come under the authority of the Father and under the authority of his word. That is where Jesus lived, and that is where Jesus will lead you if you decide to follow him because that's where Jesus lived. Now, if you, you know, we had a little girl spend the night with us this weekend with Delaney, and, and you know, she gets in my car to go to my house. She's going to live, she's going to, you know, basically live the way we live. I mean, it's just, there's, there, it, that's what happens when you subject yourself to someone else. Jesus says, hey, if you're going to follow me, then this is where I live. I live under the authority of God. I live under the authority of Scripture. So if you're going to follow me, this is, this is kind of the, the ground rules. This is the way that we're going to do it. Think about it. Think about a father who loves his children. Do you not think if a father loves his children, and what father in here has not done this, that you're not going to set some parameters and some boundaries and some guidelines for your kids? I mean, we love them, right? So that's why we do that. We don't wake up in the morning and think, how can I make my kids miserable today? Now, that's what they think, right? That's what they think. Man, they, they wake up in the morning trying to figure out how to mess my life up. You know, I'm sure my kids have at some point in their life said, my dad is out to suck my will to live. I mean, that's just, he's trying to kill me. 
I mean, I had some ground rules. I had some, some things I look back on. But when you, when, you, when you set those things in place, aren't you doing it for their benefit? You're not doing it to, to be some kind of killjoy. I mean, I, and, and the things that we kicked against when we were little kids that our, our moms and dads set in place for us, the things that we hated and we kicked against and we didn't like, now that we're grown-ups, now that we're mature and we look back on it, we say, oh, man, great wisdom in that. I mean, it, my, see, my mom always, I had to be in by midnight, which I think is really pretty generous. I mean, for a high school kid, be able to stay out till midnight, I, that was I was a pretty responsible kid, and I didn't misbehave, but, but still, midnight's pretty late. And here's what my mom always said. She said, Brett, anything open after midnight can only get you in trouble. That is great advice. And that's probably true. I mean, you think about it, some of the greatest regrets you've got may, may quite well have happened after midnight. Am I right? So, so that's not bad advice. But our parents set up these ground rules and these rules for us to protect us, to provide for us, to give us a safe environment to to live life. And when we're grown up and we look back, we say, well, you know, that makes perfect sense that they would do that. And now that you're a parent, you set up the ground rules just that way. So doesn't it make sense that a God who loves us looks at us in the culture we're in and says, we got to have some, we got to have some rules here. I mean, I gotta, I gotta put up some fences. We gotta set some things off limits because if they go over there, they're gonna get into trouble. They're gonna end up in bondage. It's gonna, it's not gonna be a good thing. I want them to live free. Here's what we've learned the hard way, and here's why people pour into this church and churches just like this one. We've learned the hard way that when we venture outside God's boundaries for life. We do not gain freedom. We lose it. See, if you had a house and it was by a railroad track and you had a four-year-old little boy and you had a yard that was right there by the railroad track, would you not fence in the backyard? Just so you, and and, and he he might say, Dad, why are you putting up a fence? Because, honey, there's a train that's going to go by here one day and I don't want you to be on these tracks when that train goes by because then, yeah, but Dad, you're taking away all my freedom. No, honey, I'm making sure that you can, you can live in freedom because one day you get on those tracks and the train comes by, free or not, it doesn't matter. You won't be here. We've got to make sure you're protected. We've got to make sure you're safe. That train can hurt you. See, a four-year-old doesn't have any concept of that. When I was a little kid, I, I've never told this story in church, but, but my dad tells this story every time he can to anybody he can, I think basically to embarrass me. And I can almost tell you word for word how he's going to tell the story, and my sons have gotten the privilege of hearing this, but I'm told that when I was just a little guy, my dad built from scratch now. I mean, it's not like he went to Menards and bought the little eight-foot picket fence sections. He built the picket fence, okay? Put the whole thing up in the backyard. He said it was beautiful. Had a little swing set back there for Brett to play in, and it was a wonderful thing. And, and he said Brett was fine in the fence as long as I didn't shut the gate. But the word is whenever Dad would shut the gate on me and I looked up and saw the gate was shut, I came apart. In fact, his words are he would cry and the snot would run. And I don't even know who Sluggo is, but he always finishes the whole thing by saying, he looked just like Sluggo. Now, does anybody know who Sluggo is? Any, nobody in here knows. I, I need somebody to explain to me who Sluggo was, because I have no idea. I just know I looked like Sluggo when I cried and had snot running down my face. 
but I didn't like the boundary. And, and we generally don't. We don't we, we, because we think, I don't need that. I don't need a boundary. I'm fine. Just let me go. God says, no, you need a boundary. Doesn't it make sense that with everything going on in our culture, God looks at us and says, look, if I let you get into that stuff, it's seductive. No, you don't think it's anything harmful or it's going to hurt you. And then you look up one day and, it's, and, you, and you ask yourself the question, here's what you ask. How did I get here? How did I get here? What, 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 what brought this on? See, you ignore God's boundaries sexually and you think you're, you're, you can make your own decisions and, and you, think, you think you're gaining freedom and then one day you look up and you realize, I've lost freedom, I haven't gained freedom. Same thing in our marriage. Same thing with our finances. You think you can handle your own finances and you step outside God's boundaries for your finances and you look up one day and you're asking your questions like, how did I get in such debt? Honey, why don't we have any money? Most of it is not because we don't make enough. It's because we've stepped outside of the boundaries of God that says, hey, honor me with your money and if you'll do that, I'm gonna give you freedom. But we don't look at it that way. We say, no, I'm, God, I'm not giving you my money because I know how to handle it. And I'll, I'll be free with my money. And then we look up one day, and the handcuffs of debt are all over us. And it's all because we wouldn't submit to God in the first place. You, you ever had the experience where you, you, were, you were taught a principle or you heard a principle, and you thought to yourself, man, why didn't I hear that when I was 16? I wish I'd heard that before I started dating. I wish I'd heard that before I got married. I wish I'd heard that before I started making my own money. Wish I'd heard that before I became a parent. You know what you're saying? I wish I'd heard that truth and surrendered to it earlier. If I had, I would be better off today. That's what we're saying. If I had heard that truth, that principle, if I had come under the authority of that particular thing, I would not be in the bondage that I'm in today. I would be better off. In other words, it's another way of saying I would be free. I would have a freedom that I don't enjoy today. Maximum freedom is found under the canopy of God's word. We say it all the time, if only I'd listened. I wish I'd listened to my mom and dad. Isn't it amazing how smart your parents got when you went off to college? You know, when I was in high school, I didn't think my parents were all that smart. Then I went to college, and they're the ones that got the education. I'm not quite sure how that worked out. Now, if this is true, that maximum freedom comes from being under God's authority, this leads us to a challenging place as a congregation and as an organization. See, every day... You and I are lied to from the moment we wake up. If you wake up with a clock radio and, and the radio comes on, the minute it starts, it starts lying to you and it starts telling you the falsehoods. You, you drive by billboards all the time that are feeding you falsehoods. You turn on the television, you're constantly being fed falsehoods. You're constantly being told that freedom is found out there, not in here. Don't submit to this. Don't go there. Don't get plugged into that because they're going to sap your freedom. You're not going to be able to be your own person. And we're taught that, that freedom exists if you will buy this or if you'll drive that or if you'll go there or if you'll do this, if you'll sign on this dotted line. We're, that's what we're taught. You get freedom if you do those kind of things. And we're lied to constantly. And here's the challenge. When cultural values clash with scriptural values... A decision has to be made. And in that moment, we have to do something that we don't like to do as a church. I mean, it's no fun 
to be the guy who stands up and says, I know that's what the culture says, but this is what God says. Because, you know, I get to be the killjoy sometimes. Well, I don't want to go listen to him because he's just going to tell me I can't do that, and I don't want to be told I can't do that. See, what we're faced with doing is we're faced with saying very hard things as compassionately as we know how to say them. And in that moment, we have to say to our culture, a culture that we, by the way, are trying to win to Christ, we have to say, you know what? I know this seems politically incorrect, and I know this seems incredibly narrow, and I know this seems old and outdated, but we cannot embrace the values of the culture to the neglect of the values of Scripture that we believe in because we've learned the hard way that maximum freedom comes when we place ourselves under biblical authority. Jesus did it all the time. Jesus was a master at doing this. If you remember, the woman caught in adultery, and they bring her to Jesus, and they throw her at his feet, and they're trying to trick Jesus, and they ask him some questions, and he does some, you know, like Jesus cool stuff, and and they all leave because they can't hang with Jesus because he's way smarter than them. And, you know, he says one thing, and they all start leaving one by one. And he looks up, and everybody's gone except the woman. And if you remember what he said to her, I want to draw your attention to what he didn't say to her. Because what Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't say this. Well, you know, I, know, I don't know that I would really call what you did adultery. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say something like, well, you know, you were raised in a pretty dysfunctional home, and I I can kind of sort of understand how you might have fallen into something like, Jesus didn't say that. You know what Jesus did? Jesus looked at her and said, hey, you sinned. You sinned. I mean, he said it compassionately, but but he, he told her the truth. Essentially what he said, and I'm paraphrasing, is what you did is absolutely wrong, and it is a sin. And he used the S word, and it's the word we're not supposed to use anymore because it's incredibly narrow. It's offensive to people that you would say that they're sinful. He said, this is, ma'am, this isn't a mistake. You've sinned. And then right behind that, that was the first part, right behind that, he said, and I don't condemn you. So go and don't sin anymore. What you've done is wrong, it's a sin. But I don't condemn you, so go and don't sin anymore. Literally, he said, go repent, which means to turn, to walk the other direction. Literally, if you can picture in your mind somebody walking in one direction and turning and walking the other direction, that's a a visual picture of what it is to repent. See, we dare not venture away from the authority of Scripture as an organization because if we ever do then we are no longer a place where people can come and get hope because the minute we veer off from this idea of biblical authority and the minute we don't call people against the culture then when they get out into culture and culture beats them up and enslaves them and they look up and they're in bondage and they realize something's wrong when they walk in here if we're not the church calling them out of that you know what we've lost all we've lost our message we no longer offer a message of hope to people you find me a church that says well this is just a good book it's just it's an important book but you know it's not it's not an inspired book i mean it's it's got some good things to say but it's not you know we shouldn't take it too seriously you show me a church that believes that and i will show you a church that has lost its message and offers no hope to people who walk in and say please help me 
I mean, when people walk in here, it's not because they want some preacher to beat them up. It's not because they want some preacher to take the Bible out and scream at them for an hour. They're coming in, they're looking for hope. They're looking for words. They're looking for somebody to please say something into my life that makes sense, that will release me from this bondage that I feel. Something's not right here, and I can't make sense of it. Maybe you can help me. Because you can't offer a message of forgiveness and the message of grace if you're not willing to say, that is a sin. See, if you never, if you never get to a place where you say, I am a sinner, and I have made mistakes, and I have messed up, then you can never put yourself in a place where you can receive the one thing that we all need more than anything else, which is grace and forgiveness. I mean, isn't that true of us? Everybody you know, everybody you work with, everybody you live with, and all of us stand in need of grace and forgiveness. But until we're willing to say, I'm a sinner, and I've screwed up, and I've messed it all up, then we can never receive the one thing that we need and that we want more than anything else. And we live in a culture that says there's no sin. There's no breaking of relationship. Everything's gray. There are no absolutes. You want to experiment, walk into the place of business where you work tomorrow and ask this question. Do you believe in absolute truth? Just ask them. Do you believe in absolute truth? Do you believe that there is something that is true for all people in all places at all times? When they say no, and many of them will, Grab them by the ankle, hold them out the fifth floor window, and then ask them if they believe in absolute truth. Because gravity is true for all people, all places, at all times, right? A church that embraces that kind of value, that kind of ethic, that kind of morality, when they say, look, it's, it's not, you know, there's, there's no absolutes, there's no values, just do what you want to do. They've lost their message of hope. They, they really can't help people anymore. See, people walk in, they know in their gut something's wrong. They know they're sinful. They don't need a preacher to tell them. You know, most Sundays, if you pay real close attention to me, I'm not, I'm not you know, yelling the S word all the time. You're a sinner. I'm not screaming. I mean, I make sure that we all know that we're fallen, that we've made mistakes, that we stand in need of grace. But most people don't need to be told that. You know what they're looking for? You know what they would say, people that walk in here, that they're saying, you know, there's something wrong. I know that I'm not okay. There's a disconnect, and I can feel it, and I can't explain it, but I need to hear that I can be restored to my Heavenly Father. That's why they come to church. And that's why as an organization, no matter what culture says, we have to stand on the values of Scripture because it is there that we find the message of restoration. There's a constant barrage of criticism for churches like ours that, that, um, that holds up the values of Scripture. Because we're criticized for being outdated. We're criticized for being narrow-minded. You know, we're, we're told that we're, we're biased. Whenever you say there's an absolute, you're going to be accused of being too narrow. But every single Sunday, men and women come into churches just like this one, and they sit in rows just like this, And they're saying, please don't tell me that there are no absolutes. Please don't tell me that nothing's wrong. Please don't tell me that I'm okay. I know I'm not okay. Please tell me that I can receive grace and forgiveness. Please tell me that I can be restored to my heavenly father. 
the reason churches like this one are full is not because we we do the easy thing it's because we've done the very difficult thing we have said hard things in compassionate ways we have said and this is the truth and this is where i'll end it today you are a sinner and you need grace and you need forgiveness and you can go out into culture and you can do everything and let's be honest culture can seduce us culture can look so pretty and so fine and just make you think that it's going to be the best in the world and you look up and then it's bondage and then we come running in here and the message here is yeah you're in bondage and you want to be set free come under the authority of God come under the authority of God's word so biblical authority is a core value at this church now I'm going to end this if you've never accepted Christ, if you've, you know, you've come today and you've said, you know, I, I would never say this out loud because, I don't, A, I don't even really think I know how, and B, I don't want people banging my door down, but, but let me just read your mind a little bit. If you're not a Christian, let me read your mind a little bit. You're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, what he's saying is right. I do know that, that something's not lining up here, and it's not all making sense, and, and I am out of whack with God, and I don't really even quite know how to fix that but I know it's not right, then listen very carefully. Here's what you need to do. You need to understand that that is a problem you cannot fix. Okay, that's a you problem. But it's not a problem that you can fix. God's already fixed it. He's already made arrangements to fix that problem. To reconcile you, which means to make it right, to reconcile you with God, he went to the cross. He sent Jesus to the cross, Jesus' death, offers you forgiveness for all that stuff you've carried in here today and you've said man this is making me sick god says i got the cure for that it's called forgiveness and he can't wait to give you that gift but he like we said a couple weeks ago he will not bang your door down for it he will wait until you invite him in so that's the invitation in front of you this morning is do you want to invite christ into your life to fix that disconnect that you know is there you know you're a sinner i don't need to tell you that you know it's wrong. I don't need to tell you that. You're sitting there and you're asking, how do I fix it? I'm telling you, come to Christ. It'll get fixed. You can do that when we stand and sing in just a few minutes. Let's pray together. Father, biblical authority, we say those two words and they don't sound like, a, you know, there's not a whole lot of punch in that. And we think, man, that's probably not going to be a very good sermon. But Lord, I pray that as we've examined this a little bit this morning, we understand that, that true maximum freedom is found under your authority and under the authority of Scripture. That when you put these boundaries up for us, you're doing it to protect us. You're doing it so that we, we don't get ourselves into trouble. We would like to think that we can make our own decisions much the way our six-year-olds think they can make their own decisions. We must look like a six-year-old to you much of the time, God, because we, we think much like that. I know what I'm doing. I don't need any help. And all the while, you're there and you're saying, just please listen to me. Please don't do that. That's not good for you. And so, Father, my prayer this morning is that we as a church, collectively, and we as individuals, as we walk out of here, would be able to say, I am inside the boundaries of God's love and provision for me. I have come under his authority, and under his authority, I will enjoy maximum freedom. Father, for those who've carried chains in here this morning, for those who have walked in here and they are in bondage, I pray that you would release them. I pray that you would help them to see that as they come to you, those chains are going to fall off. That forgiveness is a powerful thing and that eternity is real and that they can have an eternity with you. Father, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.